All right. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so thankful that we can gather together as your family, study your word. Father, we ask that this service bring honor and glory unto you. Lord, we ask that you draw near unto those who have been named having circumstances here this morning. We pray that your will be done. And Father, we know that you've called us to be your people. We ask that you just lead us, guide us, and direct us, and give us the endurance and perseverance to endure to the end. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Jude this morning. Jude. The book of Jude. I um, I'm trying to hammer home that we must be cognizant of the day and age in which we live. We must be paying attention to what's going on in the world around us and relate that to Scripture. Because God gives us clear instruction and provide, uh, divine provision to endure the times in which we live. He's, he's laid it out for us. He's covered it. And, and I want to make sure that, that we, we understand that everything in which we are going through as the church in this day and age has been spelled out and told way before now. And God has, has laid out the means by which we endure and persevere until He calls us home. So I, I want to read from the book of Jude, the mighty book of Jude, this morning. But first, let me, let me read something to you. Fight, contend, do battle. When apostasy arises, when false teachers emerge, when the truth of God is attacked... It is time to fight for the faith. Only believers who are spiritually in shape can answer the summons. At the beginning of his letter, Jude focuses on the believer's common salvation, but then feels compelled to challenge them to contend for the faith. The danger is real. False teachers have crept into the church turning God's grace into unbounded license to do as they please. Sound familiar? Jude reminds such men of God's past dealings with the unbelieving Israel. Disobedient angels and wicked, and, and wicked Sodom and Gomorrah, in the face of such danger, Christians should not be caught off guard. The challenge is great but so is the God who is able to keep them from stumbling. That is exactly where we are. 
That is exactly the circumstances where we find ourselves. And this message here in Jude fits very, very well. So I want to read here from Jude, and then I'm going to take you and show you uh, 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 something in Revelation, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit. But, you know, you, you say, Pastor, why are you all of a sudden harping on, on this? It, it's important. It's important for believers to, to, to be aware. To be aware. God's called us to, be, to pay attention. And, and sometimes we need to be reminded. You say, well, I don't like talking about this kind of stuff. It, 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 well, you know what? You may need to hear it. Because it, it's ever more important. It, 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 it's real. And, and man, how great to know that God is, has given us a means to, to march right through this with victory. So let's look at Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. He's talking to the elect. He's talking to the saved. He's talking to the church. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men, who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Pulpits around the country full of them. Full of them. But I want to remind you, verse 5, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. They are not going to get away with it. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has uh, reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. If he didn't put up with it in Sodom and Gomorrah, he's not going to put up with it here. Period. But yet we've got we've got these I'm looking for the right word. People standing in pulpits saying that it's okay for these sins to be carried out and we just should love them and accept them for what they are. 
That's not what I read. That's not what I read. God doesn't change his mind. If he didn't like it back then, he don't like it now. If, if, he, if he punished it back then and he rained down fire on it back then, he will rain down fire on it in the future. The Word of God doesn't change. So we as believers, it's so easy, it's so easy with all this mess that's going on around us to, to, and, and people condemning us for being hard, intolerant, that's what we're called, intolerant. I'm going to tell you something, God's intolerant. Amen. But, but, but we wanna, they want to pressure us into, into being politically correct. Well, that's a bunch of hooey, I'm just telling you. It's a bunch of hooey. And God's people don't need to back up off of His Word and His truth. Because it will stand and last forever. And we live in a day and age where the pressure is coming on the church like never before. And we as God's people can't back up off the truth. And when you hear somebody on television or standing in a pulpit speaking anything other than the truth, you need to run the other way. They're not hard to find. They're not hard to find. <coughs> well, I need Janet. Where was I at? Likewise, verse 8, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Do you realize that all these immoral things that are going on in our they even defile the flesh? Dreamers, I like it. Verse 9, yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses dared not bring against him a reviling accusation but said, the Lord rebuke you. Judgment is God's, not ours. You see, here's the hard part. Is, is, is we're still supposed to Love them as we can to share the gospel. To be a witness. So there's a fine line. Because my old flesh wants to just, just, oh, tell them what for. <laughs> but because of what God's called me to be, and I don't mean just a preacher, I mean a, a child of God. I'm supposed to be a living witness and show mercy and grace. Well, that's that gets hard, doesn't it? It gets hard because he can save them right out of that. Amen. 
whatever situation it is, whatever immoral situation it is, whatever sin is sin, it's an attitude. The fruits of that sin are different in each one's life. He can save them right out of that. And the last thing that you and I want to be is a stumbling block. Verse 10, but these speak evil of whatever they do, not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beast, in these things they corrupt themselves. What does he say over in Corinthians? They've been given over to a debased mind. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the terror of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. How, how, many, how many pastors uh, I shouldn't say it like that. Well this is I got to remember I'm on national television about to get x -nade. But we've got we've got pastors who stand in these pulpits and tell people what they want to hear for profit. Let me tell you something. When you're called of God to lead a flock of people, it ain't about the money. Amen. It's not about the money. And there, there are those out there that have gotten rich by, world, by worldly standards. Rich! in the things of this world. Standing up here and telling people what they want to hear versus telling people the truth. And he says here, woe to them. Woe to them. For they have gone the way of Cain, they have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. They won't get away with it. They will have to answer for everything they've stood up here or stood in, in places and led people astray. Woe be unto them. But, but we have got to be smart. That's why my father years, I heard him a million times say it, and, I, and I, it's one of the most profound things that can be repeated from this pulpit. You have a responsibility to check what I'm telling you. I'm just a man. I can make a mistake. I'm not beyond it. And you have the Holy Spirit living inside you that is to witness to you that, that the preacher could be wrong. You also have a responsibility that if I am wrong to come say something to me. 
so that I can repent of it. If I have stood up here and told something and said something that is out of line, I need to get up here and repent of it for it. And apologize for it and tell you I was wrong. I know some preachers you couldn't pour wrong on. <laughs> you couldn't get them to admit they were wrong for nothing in the world. Well, there's, you need to recognize that attitude. You need to recognize that attitude in somebody. But, but we as believers have an obligation to search the scriptures and discern whether what we are being told is right or it is wrong, whether it's coming from the pulpit or from the government or from whoever's telling it to us. Period. He didn't say, oh, okay, here you're saved. Now get in line and don't ever ask no questions. Don't, 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 ever, don't ever read the word again. Don't, you just do what they tell you to do. That's not what we were commanded to do. That's not what we were commanded to be. He didn't put the Holy Spirit in each one of us that are saved. He didn't, he didn't give us the Holy Spirit to, to, to be that. But, but we've got a world full of so-called believers who just get in line and march. Whatever they get on Sundays, all they get, they believe it 100% and keep marching and think they're going to heaven. Well, I got news for you. There's going to be a big surprise one day. There's going to be a big surprise one day to a bunch of folks who thought they were going to get in but aren't. Verse 13 and 14. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them, all of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they, mouth, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain an advantage. You heard any flattering coming out of the pulpit lately? Let me tell you something. The gospel is not comfortable. It's not meant to be comfortable. The gospel is not a motivational speech. The gospel is meant to change us. The truth of God's word is meant to have an effect on us to change us. It's not meant to draw crowds. There's auditoriums all over all over the country this morning full of thousands and me. I'm not saying those people aren't I'm I'm not don't misunderstand me. I'm not up here telling you they're not people of God. I'm I'm not. I still believe that we're going to see great revival where droves and droves of people come to hear, to, to hear the gospel. I believe it. 
but we also must recognize and, and, and pay attention to who's speaking and what they're speaking. Because as time goes on, the deception is going to get even greater. It's going to sound so close to being right that it's going to trip folks up. That's why we have to, as believers, go back and, and match it up to the Word of God. Because Satan is wonderful with words. He is a wonderful manipulator. He loves to tease the ears, doesn't he? We have to filter what's coming in. But you, beloved, in verse 17, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making distinction. What is he saying right there? He's saying you got, you, you've got to test people. You've got to search people out. Don't jump to conclusions. But, but you've, got to, you've got to test them. You've got to listen to what they say. Search out their motives. Have discernment. Spiritual discernment. And we're supposed to have compassion. We're supposed to show compassion. Deep down in there somewhere is patience, isn't it? I'll admit to you, I'm the first one that, that, that wants to jump to conclusions quickly. Boy, I want to I I judge somebody very quickly. That's something that God has to deal with me on all the time. There's nothing wrong with, with being patient. Because as you wait and listen and test people and really hear them wait and hear what they have to say, boy, it'll either get prettier or it'll either get uglier. And then there, there won't be any question in your mind and in your heart of what they're about. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by, by the flesh. You see, we're still called to call... To stand up and say sin is sin.
We're not to hide it. I'm not telling you to run out and go get in people's face and tell them you're sinning. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. But you don't have to, as a child of God, you don't have to condone sinful behavior. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to be around it. Walking away and not saying a word is a witness whether you believe it or not. Taking yourself out of a situation that is, that is ungodly is just as much a witness as if you opened your mouth and rebuked them. No one has to tell them why you left. I'll give you, I'll, I mean, I'm sure this is not anything unusual to any of you. Years ago, there, there was some, a situation at, at, at a place of my employment where the certain gentlemen like to get around and tell jokes. And they weren't godly jokes. And when they would start doing that, I'd just leave. Now, I'm not telling you this to build me up. I'm just giving, using this as an example. And after three or four times, I noticed that when they would start to do that, they would stop on their own and before you knew it they didn't even do that mess in front of me or start that in, in front of me anymore I didn't have to say anything I didn't have to say a word I just got up and removed myself from the situation but I still made a, stand, a statement to them that I wasn't going to be a part of that mess And I never had to tell them. Audibly. As a child of God, we have a responsibility to stand up for those things which God commands us to. And sometimes it's as simple as removing yourself from a situation. It's just as simple as, as, as removing yourself from, from, from the company of those who are partaking in ungodly things. You say, well, I got family. I won't remove yourself. <laughs> family some of the worst ones. I'm just telling you. <laughs> family can be some of the worst ones. And sometimes Satan is, is testing you about how, much, how close can I get. How close can I get? Can I unch in just a little bit closer? But we have to have the wherewithal to say, no, I'm not going to be a part of it. And remove ourselves from those situations. Verse 24. Now to him who is able, I love this, to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. You say, well why you say, why you bring, why, why did we read Jude this morning? Because God's made provision for the church to prevail. God's made a provision for his few to make it all the way through. 
And, and we've got institutions all around this country that are full of hypocrisy. We got, we got some that are right on the right track. And he talks about that in Revelation 3. And I want to switch over there real quick. Just a couple of pages over. We got some dead churches, we got some faithful churches, and we got some lukewarm churches. And there's an antidote for all of them. I'm going to read through this for the sake of time. The dead church, starting in, in verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things say who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful <clears throat> and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verse 7, the faithful church. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia I write, These things says, He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one, uh, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, isn't it? A little strength. It doesn't take a lot. You have a little strength. Have kept my word, and have not denied my name indeed I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say there are, no, are Jews and are not but lie indeed I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere I also will keep you from the hour of trial trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. How you like that? Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my gods and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Think churches are important? We just need a little strength. 
stand strong on the Word and what He's promised. To be faithful. The lukewarm church. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich have, and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that you, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with the eye, eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Think he likes lukewarm? We got a bunch of lukewarm Christians. He's offering repentance. Until he returns, he's offering repentance. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Verse 20, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is not a time for churches to be unsound, to be weak, to be lukewarm, and for sure not to be dead. We must hold fast to His Word. We must grow our relationship and get our relationship in tune so that the Holy Spirit gives us divine discernment in order that we might filter what's coming in. And I don't just mean from a pulpit. Wake up. These are the times in which we were called. These are the times in which He set our feet on the ground to be champions of the gospel. Praise God. It's exciting. It's exciting. I can't wait to throw them doors open and tell Carrie and, and David and Weldon and Tommy, hey, go get some chairs! <laughs> it's coming! I'm telling you, revival is coming. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises and for your, for your provision. 
We thank you that you spelled out for us a road map to endure. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for mercy, for grace. We thank you for circumstances in order to build us up. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to bless this church. Let us be what you called us to be in this time. Let us stand strong on the things of God. Let there be no doubt that we're a faithful church. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.